I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. When is America going to stop disrespecting the Miami Heat? I will not stand for it anymore, Chris Canty. It's just absurd. It's outrageous, egregious, preposterous. Yeah, I I don't know if America could disrespect the Miami Heat anymore. And I don't know how people can continue to disrespect summer by cooking out. Oh, stop. With with gas on the grill. Listen, I do that, but I'm lazy. It's lazy. It's lazy. Yes, but I own laziness. But listening but to you, as long, I just, I just feel like you're disrespecting summer. You're disrespecting Memorial Day weekend. Like it's a holiday weekend. You've got an extra day. Don't be lazy. Put charcoal on your grill instead of using the gas. For God's sakes, people. Chris Canty on his high horse is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. We've got so much to get to, including that discussion later on. We also have Dear Diana later on, what Diana Rossini, but you know where we're starting. Here we go! Only one place to start. Now they trail 3-1 to one with Game 5 on Thursday back in Boston as they win Game 4. We play good basketball all season long, exception for this last three or four games, but we got to just keep going. It's time my turn. got to get ready for the next one. We live in a reactionary sports world, and I embrace that. I live for it every day, day to day. I count on it to make a living. The Miami <laughs> Heat are on the road tonight in Game 5, having... Thoroughly dominated this series, and they lose one game at home, and all of a sudden, everybody expects the Boston Celtics to come back and win this series. And look, I get it, okay? I have been a guy that has knocked the Miami Heat over the last couple of years, but I get Heat culture. It's real. I have to acknowledge that. And so to add this idea in that there is now more pressure on the Miami Heat, to me, I just, I don't understand it, Chris. We haven't reached that point yet where everybody starts to get a little tight. It hasn't happened yet. Maybe if it gets to 3-2, that happens. The pressure is still squarely on the Boston Celtics to just survive at home where they have not been good. You're out of your mind. I don't understand how you can come down on this side of this debate. Like Everybody in their mama expects for the Miami Heat to win this series. They went up 3-0, and we gave out the stat. Teams that are up 3-0 in a best of seven in the NBA win 150 series to none. Quite literally, none of the teams that have gone through up 3-0 have ever lost a seven-game series. So how could the pressure not be on Miami? They had a closeout game at home, if game four of the series, and they didn't have to get back on a plane and go to Boston, and they lost that game. Now, of course, they want to win that game so they can get more days rest because the team they're playing that's coming out of West, they already wrapped up their series. 
So to me, the notion that Miami doesn't have a ton of pressure on them going back to TD Garden is absolutely ridiculous. Well, they have a net to work with. I mean, I, I honestly they couldn't have a get net over to work with. They have okay. a net to work with. I couldn't get over it when I heard the namesake of this show, Greeny, say this earlier this week. I was telling everyone that would listen to me, and mostly this was in airports and other places yesterday, that the Celtics were going to come back and win this series, or at least that they had a real chance to do it. And I will continue to use the tossing a coin analogy. Can the Celtics win four straight against Miami? It sounds unlikely. But in every game, they have a better than 50-50 chance of winning because they just are a better team. So taken each game unto itself, they should win every one of them. But that's not how a series works. And that's not how it's worked in the first three games of the series. Yeah, you can't take each game in isolation. That's, that's not how a series works in basketball. Like, there are things that people learn. There are adjustments that are made. There's fatigue. There's the human element to it. So, no. You can't, you can't isolate every single game like that. No, and, and what I really don't get is the idea that the Boston Celtics are going to go home and all of a sudden all will be right with the world. They have dropped two games at home in this series already. They are 10-11 and 11 over the last two seasons at TD Garden in the postseason. And I just want to bring this stat back up that Tim Bontemps dropped uh, yesterday on the Hoop Collective. In the history of the NBA, of teams that play 15 postseason games at home over two years, in other words, teams that advance, Mm -hmm. teams that play a couple of rounds, they play 15 games at home over two years, 135 times those teams have been over 500. The Celtics are the first team to be under 500. Why do I think that all of a sudden they're not going to be feeling pressure, whereas if they lose, they go home and Chris Let's be clear about what that is. It is an utter nightmare for the Boston Celtics to have lost to the Miami Heat this season. We can talk about them not being a typical eighth seed. That's fine. The Boston Celtics are supposed to be a championship contender. Uh, In the finals last year, they came up short after they beat the Heat in seven. And if they just get bored and they're not into it and they think they're just the automatically the better team, they deserve to lose. Well, here's what I'm confused by your take. Is there any more pressure on the Boston Celtics in Game 5 than there was in Game 4? There, there, it's the same amount. Oh, okay. Is there more or less pressure on the Miami Heat from Game 4 to Game 5? There is not pressure on the Miami huh, Heat yet. See, that's the part you're missing There's me on, man. There is pressure on them. They're supposed to close them out. They're supposed to close them out. And with every game that passes that they don't, the pressure continues to mount. But you're insane to think that there's not more pressure because they didn't close out Boston when they had a chance to on their own home court. You think this is in the Heat's heads already? I think it's a thing. There's a reason why Jimmy Butler got up there singing Alicia Keys at the post-game press conference talking about everything going to be all right. He's trying to send a message to his locker room. He ain't sending a message to the fans and the media. He don't care about what they think. They've already shown that over the last three or four postseasons. But it is a thing when you start talking about missing opportunities in this league, and we've already talked about it coming into this series, we thought that Boston was the more talented of the two teams. So if you realize from a talent standpoint that you might be slightly inferior, even though you play better team basketball than your opponent, you don't want to let things drag out. You want to close out. And the fact that Miami didn't only puts more pressure on them going into game five. I don't know how you could look at it and say there's less pressure on them. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny today. Then there's this part of it, which I also don't understand. How is it that winning one game in this series has all of a sudden changed the dynamic for Joe Mazzula and his future 
and whether or not Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum can win a championship together. These are all things that are still very much in question. Winning one game to, to keep your job when you have gotten thoroughly embarrassed throughout this series, that does nothing for me. This is still an abject nightmare for the Boston Celtics, and if that is what is going to justify keeping Joe Missoula for, for uh, Brad Stevens, dear God, Brad Stevens is the one that should be out as well. Well, let's keep it a buck, though. If the Boston Celtics got swept in the conference finals by the Miami Heat, the eight seed, then Brad Stevens' convictions, Brad Stevens' opinion, his evaluation ain't going to matter. His hands are tied. He's got to do something. If they got swept in the conference finals by the Heat, then there are going to be wholesale changes when it comes to the coaching staff, when it comes to the roster. Mm -hmm. But with every win that they're able to bank in this series, even if they don't get out of this round, it allows Brad Stevens to justify the same path that they've been on for the last several seasons in order to compete for a championship. It allows Brad Stevens to justify job security for Joe Missoula with every win that he gets in this series. I'm not going to say the game four win in and of itself does the job, but it's a step closer for Joe Missoula to keeping his job, just like it's a step closer for the Boston Celtics to keeping this roster intact. So you're not definitively saying yet, well, this has changed that he's staying. I think they're a step closer to him being able to keep his job. Yes. Does two games keep his job definitively? Probably. Probably. See, I don't even think they're right now. With one game, if it's a gentleman's sweep, there shouldn't be a discussion, okay? I'm not going to sit here and say that a sweep is not more embarrassing than a gentleman's sweep. Of course it is. But one game would not change my mind in the least about what my convictions were and about what has to change. Well, hold on. Brad Steven has convictions on Joe Missoula. Let's, let's keep in mind how Joe Missoula got the job, though. Like, Brad Stevens handpicked him and decided that he was going to put him behind Ime Adoka's bench. And then they retained him and elevated him once Adoka and Will Hardy left the organization. This is Brad Stevens' guy. So he gave him a contract extension in the middle of the season for a reason. You are talking about the head coach of a team that had the second-best regular season record in all of basketball. So, yeah, even if it's a little breadcrumb like winning game five on your home court, that's two games in the conference finals, I can justify that keeping a head coach that allows it to be a long series in the conference finals as opposed to a head coach that makes it a sweep or a gentleman sweep. I, I can't do that. So I think it's a step closer. Does it guarantee it right now? No. But if they win tonight, I don't see a world where Joe Mazzula isn't the head coach of the Boston Celtics moving forward. Cantia Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio, Sirius 6M Channel 80. Here's Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider on PTI yesterday, regarding Joe Mazzula and what the real problem is. The real question that they have isn't just the head coach, though. It's, is the Jalen Brown-Jason Tatum partnership a $600 million partnership because that's where they're headed they both made all nba and they both qualified for the supermax and that's the only thing they're interested in signing jalen brown can sign it this summer jason tatum can sign it next summer it's very much a question because one of them has already indicated that maybe he doesn't want to be there and you and i on our show yesterday canty and carlin 3 to 7 p.m eastern we're talking about whether or not jason tatum is in fact the alpha and that the celtics need him to be all of that aside whether or not Jalen Brown is going to be there is a very fair question. But is it, though? I, I don't know. It feels like it's a little bit of a false choice to have to make that decision right now. I don't think they do. 
Like, it's obvious that you're going to sign both of them to the Supermax. Right. But you at least have another year of runway to figure out whether or not the two can coexist and figure this out and get back to a championship level. A year from now, though, Jalen Brown's going to be making the decision, not the Celtics. Even though he would have signed the Supermax, yeah, and that, and he that, will be forcing his way out. And that may well be it. But here's the deal. You're still going to be able to offload him and get an absolute haul for Jalen Brown, you're mm-hmm. talking about a, 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 a all-NBA caliber player, one of the best two-way players, if not the best two-way player in all of basketball, and he's going to be in his mid-20s. You're absolutely going you're gonna, to you're gonna rake it in in terms of what you're going to get in players and picks. So to me, that's, that's not a bad position to be in, even if Jalen Brown wants to shoot his way out of town. This is why a year from now, there can't be any question around that. And, and right now? I have to operate, even if I'm giving him the Supermax, I have to operate under the assumption that I have it one year. I have one year to figure this out because then they're going to force their way out. And part of that has to be, am I truly right about the head coach? That like None of the head coach questions should, should change. And I'm hearing a lot now from the Celtics organization of, you know, well, this was last minute and we need to get stronger assistance in there with them and all that. All I can say is if you're going to stick with them, you you better be right. You better be right because otherwise you could be blowing the whole thing up for a year from now, and that's not what the Boston but you're not blowing the whole thing up though. That's what I don't like. People that when you say a haul, you're not you're not blowing the whole thing up. You're trading Jalen Brown. No matter what team Jalen Brown goes to, he's going to be on a supermax contract. But are you going to get a player back that is going to be as good as Jalen Brown? You're probably not. Think about how short a list that is, but you're going to get a combination of players and picks that allows you to continue to have sustained success. So that's why I don't understand why it's, it, it has to be so dramatic when we talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum coexisting. I think the path for Boston when it comes to their two superstars is simple. You give them the Supermax. There is no choice in all of that. You have to keep talent. Now, a year from now, if Jalen Brown decides he wants out, once he becomes eligible to be traded after he signs the Supermax, then you're in a good place because you have options. Think about all that the Brooklyn Nets got for Kevin Durant. They got Mikel Bridges, who's going to be an all-star at some point in his career. You got Cam Johnson, who's a really good role player and young and is ascending. And they got a bevy of picks. Boston would be in a good situation. It's not ideal, but it's still a good situation. But here's the thing that everybody is missing. You give Joe Mazzula and this Celtic staff another year to figure it out. You give Brad Stevens an opportunity to add more seasoned coaches on the bench for a coach that's in his mid-30s. You, you have an opportunity to do some things to continue to fortify your team and your organization going into next season. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty for Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Did you know that when it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against a few obstacles, especially right now. That's why you need ZipRecruiter on your team. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We get answers as we go to Boston in just moments. Are we about to see history repeat itself? One of the foremost authorities on all of it joins us next. Canty and Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Here's the 2 1 pitch. Swing and there's a shot. Deep to right. Sheffield back. That ball is gone. A home run. It's all over the Red Sox. I'm still breathing. The start of one of the great comebacks in professional sports history. John Miller, ESPN Radio, all the way back in 2004. David Ortiz's Game 4 ALCS walk-off. How does that apply tonight? Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, and benefits, go to Progressive.com slash careers. Apply online today. We welcome in Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. He has covered the Celtics and the Red Sox since all the way back in 1981, and he is the author of the book, Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Dan, we appreciate the time. It's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. Let's just start here with that in mind. What would Larry Bird think about this Boston Celtics team? Well, he'd have called them out after game three, certainly the when the Celtics lost two at home to the Heat and then went to Miami. We thought we'd see a, a stand-up game, and they, they, they rolled over, fell behind by 33. And That's the point when Larry, back in 84, when they were getting rolled by the Lakers, he called his team sissies and said they played like girls. And, you know, stuff he couldn't say today, of course, but it was uh, he, he called out his teammates, said we need 12 heart transplants and all that stuff. So, we don't we don't see that kind of rhetoric anymore, and, and or that kind of embarrassment uh, from from the people on the team. But they did stand up and have a good game four, and they overcame a nine point deficit in the third quarter. And uh, now they come home tonight and see if they can keep the thing going. But there's there's been 150 of these three uh, zero series in the NBA, and no one's done it yet. So see how they do. Dan, in 04, you had a conversation with first baseman Kevin Millar from the Boston Red Sox, and he said when he was down 3-0, don't let us win one. And that that's one of those situations that sounds eerily similar to what Jalen Brown said after uh, us said going into game four uh, yes. against the Miami Heat. How, how do you connect and compare that Boston Red Sox team to this Boston Celtics team? Yeah, that folks are using that to take a little hope uh, into tonight's game and into the rest of the series because it was unexpected that they would fall behind. 
I mean, they were prohibitive favorites. Uh, the Heat are eighth-seeded. They had to play two playing games to get in the tournament. The Celtics have had a clear path to the finals to get back to the finals. They're expected to get there. So this is a big disappointment. And after game three, I called Millar and said, hey, what's up? And he said, yeah, everybody's calling me. And I, every time any team gets down 3-0, I get the call. And that did happen. I mean, we thought – and the Sox were embarrassing game three – much like the the Celtics were, they lost Game Three, nineteen eight at Fenway. We really thought these guys are a disgrace and a pack of frauds. And so, yeah, pre-game four, Millar, of course, was wired by ESPN. He's bouncing around the ballpark, kind of red bulled up, I suppose. And he was telling everybody, "Don't let us win tonight." And we got Pedro coming back in, in five, and Schill in six, and anything can happen in seven. And he did. He said it to everybody, and there's a lot of it on video. And there was a, a famous thirty for thirty. Uh, ESPN was captured at four nights in October, and there's a much played scene where he's given it to me before the game, and and of course it all it all came true, and uh, that that's the motivation tonight. But if the Celtics had any sense of theatrics or drama, they'd they'd have you know Millar on the court tonight with his bottle of Jack Daniels, getting everybody fired up. <laughs> Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe, author of the book Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics with Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Uh, Dan, Joe Mazzula, explain to me how he is viewed in Boston, how people uh, view this entire situation, and, and frankly, if winning one game or maybe even two in this series uh, changes anything as far as what his future holds. It's weird to have, you know, coach the full season and and third playoff round you know coming up on 20 playoff games and it's still a day-to-day referendum and uh, you're right and uh, after game three it was fire the coach and um that may happen yet i mean he's 34 years old he ascended to the position inadvertently had never been a head coach in pro ball before and i did d2 or d3 somewhere a long time ago and 34 year old guy and vaulted over a lot of other people because he was not attached to Ime Odoka, who was bounced before the start of camp and um so people like who is he and why is he in this job and they had kind of a pleasure cruise for 57 wins throughout the regular season and things worked out and then in the playoffs it's been there's been you know he's been learning on the fly with some of these things you know they don't call timeout against philly they don't get a shot off in the last 19 seconds of overtime what's that about and he admits that was a mistake and and um some some weirdness, you know, allowed allowed the Heat to score 46 points in a single quarter and didn't call timeout in the first game of this series. Um, those things are just, you don't know if he has the room or not. We're not in the room like the old days when I wrote that book because, you know, in the old days we could tell you what they're like because we were around them. And you knew if there was a revolt going on or if, if the coaches lost the room. And we don't really know that in, in today's NBA, and that's just the way it's evolved. There's not a lot of access or being around them. So, Hard to say, uh, but I think if they lose tonight, that, that Heat's going to come back on. I think the owners are probably more impatient than Brad Stevens, who's running the show here. Stevens is not a reactionary guy. Missoula's his guy. He was Ainge's guy. So I expect that uh, the basketball ops would want to keep Missoula, whereas the ownership, maybe not so much. I mean, there was all kinds of urban folklore after that third game about you know testiness between the owner and the coach and the players and all this stuff. And we just don't know what's real and what's not. Dan, in game four, facing elimination, Jason Tatum led both teams in points, rebounds, and assists. That's the second time he's done that this series, joining LeBron James as the only players to do so. And my question to you is this, what is keeping Jason Tatum from being a big-time player in every big moment for this team in the postseason? 
No, it's a very valid question. And, and he, he turtled in the finals last year, had a really bad final, had a million turnovers, turnover machine, and uh, shot poorly. And he kind of wore that all summer and, and into this year. And there's been a lot of disappearances. The first three games of this series, he didn't score a basket in the fourth quarter of any of them. Now, he didn't play the third game because they had benched everybody. But the first two at home, no buckets in the fourth quarter. Now they're double-teaming him, and the offense has just been, you know, they've been missing their open shots and then forcing other things and turning the ball over. He's had a lot of turnovers again. He had three in the first quarter the other night when they fell behind by nine. But in the second half, the team only had two turnovers and only ten for the game, so that's a big difference. But he's going to get double-teamed a lot. He's got the very high ceiling, first-team All-NBA. This is their time. I mean, he is 25 years old, his sixth year in the league, fourth conference finals, and they were in the finals last year. So this is the time for Tatum and Brown to step up and get it going. And Brown's the larger problem right now because he's had a horrible series defensively. He's shooting three for 20 on threes. He's just struggled everywhere. You know, turns it over when he puts it to the floor. He might be a guy to keep an eye out tonight because, you know, if, he, if they get a big game out of him – and win at home, they're going to be carrying some good momentum to Miami for Saturday night. All right, well, that leads to the flip side. Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe, author of the book Wish It Lasted Forever, Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. Last one, Dan. Depending If it doesn't happen tonight, if Jalen Brown doesn't have that game, what is the future of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum together in Boston? Right, there'll be a lot of break up the Jays, and, and you know, Brown's coming up for the Supermax and all this stuff. They're going to commit to you know, five, six hundred million to these two guys. And and again, I just feel like it's, I know they're young, they're young in years, but they've played a million playoff games together and uh, six years together in the league. And like I said, fourth, seventh uh, Eastern Conference Finals. So there'll be some impatience and that will come probably, it'll come from the fans and it may come from ownership because they've, they've been very loyal to these guys and stuck with them. And it's, it's hard to know if that's a two-way loyalty street right now. Danny, great stuff. We appreciate the time as always. Thanks, guys. Dan Shaughnessy, Boston Globe. Wish it lasted forever. Life with the Larry Bird Celtics. You want to know what's going on in Boston? You talk to Dan Shaughnessy. It's Canty and Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio. You can watch us on the ESPN app. Just click watch, look for Greeny, and enjoy. I cannot believe what I heard last night. And, Canty, it leads us to... I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Barkov right circle, down to the eagle, like a truck in first shot, he scores! He scores! He scores! Matthew Kachuk, a power play goal! It's 4-3 Panthers with 4.3 seconds to go in regulation time! Of course, the Florida Panthers are headed now to the Stanley Cup Finals. They sweep the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm. Canty, mm. that was the call mm, on mm, 560 mm. WQAM down in South Florida, which, by the way, is having a time right now. Oh, we'll, man. We'll get to that in a minute. Rod Brindamore, Hurricanes head coach, after the game, describing what happened. He's going to look back, and everyone's going to say, you got swept. And That's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're we're in the game. That, that, that we didn't get, we didn't lose four games. We we got beat, but it's we were right there, and this could have went the other way, and this could have been four games the other way. And tonight, you know, the way it ended is tough. Getting a penalty like that—that's tough, you know, especially what was let go, and then you, oh, that, oh that's that's gonna that's gonna sting. But 
not to take anything away from the other team because they played hard. But um, you know, I think we take took a huge steps this year. Coming this far, like I said, what we're missing is pretty impressive. We weren't swept. We didn't lose. We just got beat. What? I, I feel where he's coming from. Now. We, we, I mean, we weren't swept. They lost. They lost game one in quadruple overtime. But you lost, <laughs> and they lost the second game in over. Like, uh, are we going to go back to the quarters argument with the Celtics? No, and it's, not, like, it's not even a quarters year? argument. Listen, they got swept. All right, it, it doesn't feel great, but this is not the typical sweep. This is a highly competitive series, and for a team that's shorthanded like Carolina to be in this spot and to lose to a team that's playing. I don't know the best hockey of anybody in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. I, I just there's no there's no shame in that. It's a it's a difference between how they lost and how my Lakers lost. There's a clear difference in my mind. Clear how many difference. how many games did the Hurricanes win? They didn't win any. Yeah, they, I didn't like, say that. By he, definition, there is shame in that. I, I that did, is an actual sweep. I didn't say they didn't get swept. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that for a second. I said I feel where he's coming from. Because it was a very competitive series. Very competitive series. I tell you what, we are lowering the bar on what success looks like these days. And it is Nobody called that success, though. No, Who I understand. called that success? I understand, but, you know, I mean, if Giannis was on the ice last night, was that a failure? No, that wasn't a failure. That was no, absolutely that was not a failure. You got swept. You literally didn't win a game. It's not it, great. It's not great. It doesn't feel good, but I I can understand why he wouldn't want his team to feel less than to be lumped into all the other teams that get swept in the playoffs across sports. But but I do not. I do love the way he says we didn't lose four games. I was there. <laughs> like the truth has never mattered less in our country, and it continues to get proven each and every day. You got swept. You're going home. You didn't win a game. Uh, I, listen, the standards, and, and I got more on this. The standards for success are are just way too low, and I I can't believe we're having the discussion that we're having regarding the New York Jets. That, in just moments. Don't forget to tune in tonight. It's Game 5 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals as the Celtics host the Heat. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and Sirius XM Channel 80. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Greeny, the podcast. Oh, Tina. Rest in peace, Tina. South Florida is rolling right now. They certainly Matthew are. Matthew Kachuk in the Panthers. Oh, my goodness. Jimmy Butler in the Heat. South Florida is on a roll, cuz. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, in for Greeny. If you're dealing with a dead battery, head to AutoZone, America's number one battery destination. They offer free battery services like free battery testing and free battery charging. Their free battery testing can help you know if you need a new battery or not, or if you're in need of a fresh charge. And if you do happen to need a replacement battery, they can help with that too. They've got reliable replacement batteries starting at just $79.99, and they're the only place you can find proven tough Duralast batteries. So next time you're having battery trouble, head to AutoZone, your battery solution, and America's number one battery destination. Canty Carlin in for Greedy on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. Aaron Rodgers is in with the Jets, and he is at OTAs. All is right with the world. Here he is. He was on Shine on Sports with Adam Shine on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Here he is on winning a Super Bowl in New York. Last night I was watching the, the 30 for 30 on the 86 Mets. Many Mets fans are Jets fans. You see just the reaction from the Mets fans uh, was so incredible during that time. And just you realize how special it would be to win a championship anywhere, obviously, but I think especially here in, in New York with a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in 12 years and hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since Broadway, Joe. See, I love hearing this from Aaron Rodgers because he has not walked in the door and tried to lower the bar on anything. Mm. He has walked in the door. One of the first things he says is the trophy looks a little bit Lonely, the Vince Lombardi trophy. The Jets, of course, have one Super Bowl. They haven't won one uh, since 1969. I, I, I'm thrilled to hear that. And yet, I continued this morning. I'm seeing get up there having the discussion about what success looks like for the New York Jets. And I put out a, just a little poll. What is, what's successful? We are in a unique situation here with Aaron Rodgers. I got to treat it like it's a one-year thing. Mm-hmm. And most people are going to be happy with a deep playoff run. Canty, this is a team that got Aaron Rodgers to win a championship. He is telling you that. I don't understand collectively, in some places, why we lower the bar on this for teams like the Jets this year that, frankly, have that expectation. For me, it is a Super Bowl championship or a failure for the Jets. Well, you got to keep in mind, the Jets are a fan base that has endured the longest playoff drought in North American team sports. Mm-hmm. So I-, I can understand why they would stop short of saying we've got to win it all because this is a fan base that's looking for wins in meaningful situations. So deep playoff run, divisional round, conference championship, or even if you lose in the Super Bowl – they're going to celebrate that season. But for Aaron Rodgers, I think he recognizes the opportunity for immortality. And I don't mean the immortality that comes along with being a Hall of Famer because he's, he's a lot to be in the Hall of Fame. But there becomes a point of distinction when you start talking about having multiple championships and having it with an iconic franchise like the Green Bay Packers and then exercising the demons for the New York Jets who have endured 
a 50-year championship drought. So, I mean, if you win a championship in New York, you are immortalized in this city in a a way that you would not otherwise be even if you go in the Hall of Fame. And and I think that also speaks to – that's really worth two or three to me if you come here and do that in a place that has been barren as the desert for as long as it has been. There's no doubt about it. For the Jets. There's no doubt about it. I do think that we, though, across sports are – we have ring culture where we all talk about, well, he won one, he won two, he won three. And then, yet on the other side, you have people in sports, whether it's Giannis saying this wasn't a failure, it's not a failure. Whether you have teams like the Yankees who had one uh, goal for 40 years and now that goal has just changed to let's get to the playoffs and see what happens. Uh, I feel like across sports, we do see at least the people who were involved in it trying to change where the bar has been set. Not the fans, necessarily, but the athletes, the general managers, the coaches, all of that stuff. I get it, they're human. But no, that's not change why, oh, where the level is. That, that's not why they're trying to do it. It's not about being human. It's about job security. That's all it's about. Like You're, you're set, level-setting expectations because you don't want – the shortcomings of those expectations to mean that you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose financial security. That's what it all comes down to. But with Aaron Rodgers embracing the expectations, that's number one, ingratiating himself and endearing himself to a New York sports fan base that hasn't really had a superstar of his ilk in quite some time. And then you're talking about him setting a standard for the guys in that locker room. A lot of young players that don't understand what competing at a high level is all about in this league. He's he's basically laying it out there for them. Guys, this is how we have to talk. This is how we have to work in order to accomplish the ultimate goal. Because the franchise, by virtue of what they've given up to acquire Rodgers and what they're going to pay him over the course of the next two years, which is $108 million, they're saying we want to win a championship. And they actually have a realistic opportunity to do so. I said this before the trade went through that if the Jets got Aaron Rodgers, I would pick them to be the favorite in the AFC East. That's how bullish I am on the Jets with Aaron Rodgers because of how good their defense is. I think they're better than the Buffalo Bills, even though the Bills did a great job this offseason of drafting and free agency. I will say this, they are on a short list of teams that have a realistic chance of winning the Lombardi Trophy. Coming into any given year, every team believes that they can win it all. There are only about eight teams that have a realistic shot of being able to put it all together. And the Jets are one of those teams. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. I, I know what you're about, but let me ask you this question. You aside, do you feel like the athlete mentality about winning championships has changed slash softened? in how they evaluate themselves. Winning championships is hard, and no athlete wants something to be that far out of their control in terms of their overall legacy and how they're viewed in the history of the game, regardless of what sport they play in. Like, the sports that we're talking about are all team sports. They're not individual sports. So there's going to be an element um, that's outside of your control as the individual player, and you don't want that to impact your brand, your legacy, or how history perceives you. And so I think that's why athletes get away from being measured by the amount of rings that they win. Now, that being said, when it comes to athletes and quarterbacks in particular, the most important position in all of team sports, you don't get into the GOAT conversation 
at quarterback without having multiple rings. And right now, Aaron Rodgers is on the outside looking in. He ain't in the same room as Aaron. Uh, he ain't in the same room as Tom Brady and Joe Montana and Pat Mahomes and John Elway. He's just not. So I mean, like when we start going that route, there is you know a Hall of Fame quarterback, and then there are those quarterbacks that are reserved for the goat conversation. If Aaron Rodgers comes to the Jets and wins a chip over the next two years, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden he's firmly. In that GOAT conversation. See, Boston Celtics lose tonight. Is it a failure? I think their season's completely a failure when you consider where their expectations were. And I'm not sure, outside of just the job security part of Brad Stevens and Joe Missoula, that everybody up there will consider it a failure when it comes to the players who were involved. Yeah. I don't like the collective um, softening of and, and lowering of the bar. Because I think it takes away from the competition factor and it takes away from the people who are paying for it. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.